Whether we're aware of it or not, we're always broadcasting our own inner experience. By shaping our actions according to our ideals, we forget about ourselves and create a positive tone around us. In this episode, we'll show you psychological strategies for how to do this. I'm Sharif Yunus with Dr. Kevin Majors, and this is The Golden Hour. Our online masterclass will help you turn each hour of work into an hour of shaping yourself and the environment around you. In this four-week masterclass, available on OptimWork.com, Dr. Majors will guide you through all the key ideas of OptimWork, with exercises provided to help you master them. Now let's get started. Hey, this is Sharif Yunus here with another episode of The Golden Hour, joined by Dr. Kevin Majors. Kevin, great to be here with you again. Hey, Sharif, great to be back. You bet. Well, Kevin, I bet this time of year, many people are going to be attending larger gatherings, myself included. So I think this is a great thing that we can think about. How do we bring OptumWorks approach to these situations? Because we talk a lot about work, like when you're working on an, in, uh, a task on your own, what do you do? We talk about performance. We've talked in the past also about how to help others grow, so how to have great one-on-one conversations. But maybe here we're talking about how to deal with groups or how to set a kind of tone for a conversation or for maybe a whole room. Um, so I thought this might be a fun thing for us to explore here. What do you think? I think it's a great idea. Okay. so. So yeah, how do, how do we approach this question? What what are what are even the first questions we might want to ask? Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of a question that uh, you can sometimes ask people to help them clarify their ideals. And the question is, if you go to a like a, you know, let's say you're going to a retail store and you're you know dealing with a clerk there for five minutes. Afterwards, how would that clerk describe you? That's an interesting question. Of If someone just dealt with you for a very short period of time, how do you come across? It's kind of like asking, what is, what is the inner life, the inner experience that you are externalizing and transmitting? Because even I think we all tend, I guess. Exactly. You might not be aware of it at all. Yeah, you know, like if you're going to the store, uh, you know, this is like me at Home Depot. You're just trying to get it done as quickly as you can and get out of there. You know, then I'm, I'm unfortunately, I'm probably going to be very uh, likely to be transmitting that, that. Okay, I just want whatever and to get done. So, and that would be a perfect case to then practice and think, okay, going to these places is a wonderful opportunity for me to try something new. You know, and how would I then surprise the clerk? Or the person working there, you know, like with, with a certain quality. That, that, it kind of gets you thinking then that we're always kind of transmitting a certain kind of tone. I like that, use that word. There's a certain tone we create like within a zone around us. And that tone we carry with us. And it's very hard to fake it because that tends to come across as somehow not real and doesn't really create a tone around us. You can imagine someone's pretending to be cheerful. Yeah, I think that's going to be less contagious and less somehow attractive than someone who's actually deeply cheerful. Now, I think it's great to act cheerful no matter what. 
even if you don't necessarily feel like it, because that makes it easier for you to catch on to the positivity around you without accidentally contributing something negative to it. So, but, but the idea here is that you want to use the behavior then to shape the inner life. And so instead of just like putting a wall up between these two things, and we pretend to be one thing on the outside that we're not on the inside. I know there's a lot of ideas there, but I think there's, there's something very profound about being aware of the tone we generate and broadcast. Yeah, maybe we could even start with that question of the kind of self-awareness or self-knowledge that goes along with that. I think it's it's kind of hard that almost your behavior is invisible to yourself. So it's kind of difficult to know how how you come off. Um, when it, when it, and that, I guess it also varies culture to culture. Uh, so if you meet someone and you're not as talkative in a, in a group, the other people might think you're rude. So, so it, I mean, is that part of it? Like knowing how you're coming off to different, different people in different situations or how do we approach this question yeah. of, of self-awareness, self-knowledge? Yeah. So on the one hand, if, if someone is overly self-conscious, that's certainly going to be affecting then the, the tone that they generate. So it seems to me that the healthiest positive tone is generated when you most forget about yourself. And the more kind of negative tones in general are when you're more focused on yourself. So if you are really genuinely trying to tune in to other people and trying to be present to them, you're going to end up kind of forgetting in that moment, like, how you're not going to be self-conscious about how you're coming across and you're going to actually have the best impact on others. So the more you just are invisible to yourself and then you're there for others, then you're going to come across as engaged and available and caring and kind and understanding. All those things generate the sense of tone, you know, but it's because you're actually not focusing on yourself. So that's just one distinction to make. It's good that people learn to be aware of these things. I would say it's better to be aware of the ideal you want to aim for than trying to diagnose yourself and to see how am I coming across. That's why I like the word ideals. And I use that word typically more than the word virtue. Virtue is something that we possess and that is a level we've attained. I just think it's almost impossible to know in any given case how much of a virtue do we have. It involves some kind of self-diagnosis that I don't think we're fully capable of. Uh, perhaps others would have a better sense of you know how virtuous we are in some way. But ideals, well, they're something we can focus on and admittedly know, yes, I actually aim a lot for this particular ideal. So you might ask yourself, like, you know, like how much do I actually aim at being understanding? Well, Okay, I, you know, if you consciously aim for that a whole lot, you can recognize that. In fact, well, I never really think about that. I'm just not, well, that tells you something too. Does that make sense? Like the, like the ideal you're aiming for actually is the really important thing. I think that's the tone is the exact same idea. That when you're in a, when you're in a setting, if you are aiming to really give yourself and your attention and your affection to others, you're going to be generating the right tone, but it's going to be shaped by these ideals that you're aiming for. Yeah, I think it's a nice flip. It's almost analogous to the, we did a previous episode on Aaron Beck and how he changed the field of psychology, psych psychiatry, therapy, to flip from the Freudian view to the behavioral view. So it's kind of the same flip of going from trying to diagnose yourself, which gets very complicated and difficult, 
And it's hard to know exactly what to do with all that information to then flipping, hey, okay, what is the ideal and what do I want to aim for? Um, so then it simplifies the picture, but definitely it raises then another question, which is, you know, what, what do I want to aim for? Um, so I don't know, to go back to the original example, say you're going to be attending a Christmas party. What do you aim for? How do you know? Yeah, that's a great thing. So what would be the, uh, there's, uh, uh, there's like, uh, you know, a thousand right answers to that question. Cause there's many things you could aim for that would- I just want to be patient because I know I'm going to have to deal with a lot of people that I don't want to deal with. So patience is no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. That's uh, actually, that's an interesting example. I think, I think that ideals do have their own kind of, uh, hierarchy. Yeah, and the closer the the ideal is to being like basically a synonym for charity or love, the better. So I think you know, like being generous, you know, is like really, really extremely close to just being loving per se. You know, being, uh, you know, I think being understanding. Well, that's a lot closer. You know, being patient. Well, it's still good, but maybe it's not as close. Because it's like, then it's like, well, you're still being patient almost is more focused to some extent if you're focusing on aiming for it. So it's still, it's about your pain. It's about being able to, to welcome the pain for the sake of a greater good. Maybe it doesn't really show you yet the greater good. Whereas being generous with someone or just being loving directly, like what does it mean to be, like how can you be loving with the people you meet? Or it's just like being appreciative, being grateful for them, rejoicing in their presence. Well, all of that, I think, like being just able to enjoy the presence of each person, that would be very close to being loving. So there is, all of them are good, but some, you know, perhaps, you know, having fortitude or, you know, long suffering or patience, <laughs> it's like, maybe it's just a little bit, you could aim a little bit higher. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you start with kind of the highest, why not just go for love every time if that's the highest? And why even, why even bother with the other ones? Well, I think that the, the lower ones, you could say, lend themselves a little more to seeing the exact skill you're going to try to practice. So if you're trying to be understanding with someone, okay, well, that actually might be kind of then suggestive of all these skills you could practice. Like, okay, well, maybe what I need to do then is ask better questions or just show more interest or try to put myself in their shoes and, you know, or to remember things about them or to, a list goes on and on, a very specific kind of skills. Like, okay, I'm just going to practice. If, um, if you're trying to be, if you're trying to just be especially joyful at welcoming them and being just appreciating them, well, then you might be thinking about exactly how you greet people, you know, and, and are you warm when you're first greeting them, you know, and do you sustain that warmth, you know, with follow-up questions that wind And so there's different, so it could be that other ideals maybe aren't as high as being loving, but perhaps for that very reason, they do lend themselves to thinking of the skills they break into. Whereas if you're just thinking about being loving, it might be harder to think of the skills. Does that mean, uh, yeah. 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 And then I, I guess it's uh, now this kind of, it might contradict what we said earlier, but it seems to me if, if you know that you have some defect, say like 
I know I'm typically shy at these kind of events. And I like to just gravitate towards the people I already know uh, or, you know, or just stay away from new people in general. Then, I mean, maybe courage or fortitude is something that I want to aim for. Um, that gets into back into the self-diagnosis thing, but it also does suggest like a more specific remedy. Uh, and that could be a great way of doing it. Because again, there's, there's all these are right answers. Uh, the idea here is it's a very different thing to be aiming for the positive goal of growth in an ideal, which is always going to be in the service ultimately of bonds versus just trying to not feel anxious because you're shy. And so that's the key switch is it's not about you. It's about how you are being essentially available for others. But even then, if you're shy, then getting to know new people and like it can actually be a wonderful act of generosity. Uh, trying to be then looking for the other people who are shy because now you know, perhaps from your own experience, what the signs are. And so you're able to then better to spot the people and then go and be a kind of comforting, engaged, cheerful presence with them and form a friendship with them. It, you know, it could be that uh, you could aim at being encouraging of others. You know, when it comes to things like social anxiety, I think trying to be more encouraging of others is one of the fastest paths to being cured with social anxiety. You just think of, okay, who here around me needs encouragement? And then you go and you become that despite how you feel. And actually, it just makes it even more generous and beautiful if you happen to find it hard. And you realize, in fact, having some anxiety doesn't have to be a block to forming bonds with others. And it can actually help. Okay, Kevin. So here's another follow-up situation. Uh, suppose you're going to one of these events where... You have this kind of feeling, okay, I have to be cheerful, but you don't feel like it because say you're dealing with something at work or, or it's just a, a group of people that you don't know and you're shy. So there's some kind of internal obstacle to you creating this tone that you want to create. Um, how do you, how do you deal with that? Is the solution just to clarify the ideal that you want to aim for? And then really, I mean, we were talking about reframing mindfulness challenge, right? So how do those, kind of apply to the to the case where there's an internal obstacle now. Yeah, that's an interesting question. It it reminds me a lot of what I think about <clears throat> when someone has to perform and they feel anxious. So in their performance, they want to come across as very confident, you know, but then they have all this anxiety in their in, in their chest. And then they'll, they'll wonder, like, how do I work with the anxiety that's there in order to perform a certain way? And while, you know, these, these parties aren't a performance, it's a similar idea that there might be something that you're feeling inside that you don't want to be projecting outside. So how do you work with the emotion that you have? And somehow, uh, you know, like, do you push it away? Do you, do, do you try to just like push it down and, and suppress it for a time? And then think happy thoughts until happy emotions come. Um, I think that that introduces a kind of turbulence inside of the soul. So it's like, it just makes it that you're fighting with yourself and you just get more self-conscious, I think. So I, I don't think you can try suppressing it or replacing it. But 
one way of thinking of this is that if you think of, I don't know, if it's like the emotion, the emotional, um, like palette that you're experiencing at that moment, it might feel like it's all just one color. But in fact, there are going to be some little wedges of other colors that, that you can work with. This is a strange concept. I call it the wedge some, concept. Some shades. <laughs> exactly. Other shades, yeah. Yeah. And the way I think of it is, so no matter what emotion you're experiencing, there are other ones that are subdominant wedges. If you double down and focus on them, they can expand. So example, um, I always tell people when they're, when they're thinking like they have performance anxiety is before the performance or anytime you're looking at it coming to you and you have dread, try to see if at that same moment you can locate some kind of curiosity for it. The curiosity is going to be there. It's going to be available. And the more you try being curious with what emotion you're experiencing, it's like that whole wedge spreads on the palette. And it kind of mixes with the other colors and changes them. Are you saying that curiosity is generally part of the palette? Yes. Of emotions that you're feeling? Okay. It can or always be there. In these specific situations. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're experiencing terror, you could be curious about how much terror you're experiencing. Yeah. If you're experiencing enormous anger, you could at least be curious. Oh, how angry am I? Yeah. And start to like be curious about the anger. Curiosity already is a reframe because you're now you're treating whatever you're experiencing as an opportunity to learn something. And so it puts you into a learning kind of mindset. Well, that's really powerful, it turns out. So anxiety mixed with curiosity actually starts to become more and more excitement. Because really anxiety is like when people have adrenaline with a negative frame on the situation. But curiosity starts to bring in a positive frame. And then the adrenaline is just exciting. So these are things that need to be practiced over time, but it's even, there are even more things you can mix with it. Like another kind of emotion, people never think of this as an emotion, but it is, is daring. So to be, have a sense, like I'm going to be daring right now, like, which means embracing uncertainty as an opportunity and say, okay, you know, it's like essentially win or lose. I'm going to give this my best. Let's give this a shot. So, and you have that sense, okay, of embracing the risk and enjoying the risk. And, and we can off, we can very often tap into that. Uh, gratitude is another one of these. You can very often find some way of being grateful and you start being grateful for the whole experience and the practice it's giving you. And then that lets you, again, it's like the, it spreads and spreads as you double down into it. And so, and it just changes with the other things you experience. So hope is another one of having a high hope of what you want this to be like, what's the best this could be. So there are all these positive emotions that are going to be potentially there. And they're actually there as a tiny little wedge. You can find it and start to expand it. And uh, of them, curiosity is the most neutral. It's the easiest to, as a beginning point. Gratitude, it might be one of the most powerful. So if you can take, if you can be negative for the situation in the midst of it, that's going to be even better. So how does one have the kind of presence of mind to do this? Like if you're angry to, to think of this whole exercise, okay, I'm extremely angry right now, but maybe there's some curiosity in here too. Like, 
it doesn't strike me as the easiest thing to just suddenly that once you've done that, you're actually just by doing that, you're being curious. So it's, it's yeah. kind of that you've already. So I think the way you do it is, uh, it's going to be most challenging if it's something completely unexpected, but that's still possible then, you know, and, and it's, and, and you, you can, but if it's something that you are ever dreading in advance, the moment of dread is like a little micro rehearsal for the real event. So you have to make use and be grateful for dread. If you are dreading something coming up, it's just, it gives you a chance to practice the wedge where you find something then you can be curious about, something to be grateful for, some way of like introducing daring into it. And, 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 and that actually you get to experience it in the moment of dreading how you can turn it around. And the more you get to practice that, the better, actually. I see. Yeah. So you're taking these moments, the kind of anticipatory moments and making the most of them. Um, I like that. I, yeah. The, the, that's basically very, dread is practice. It just gives you practice. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's an interesting idea, actually. How do you do that when, you when say, the thing is like a work task and you, you're... Um, I have this because I have a big deadline coming up and I'm kind of nervous. Am I going to hit this deadline or not? Uh, and then so if I'm at lunch or something, I'll be thinking about that. Okay. Uh oh, I wonder what I'm going to do in the afternoon. Am I going to make the progress I need to? So there is that kind of dread coming up. So maybe that's a, mo a moment where I could practice this, this idea of finding the positive emotion there. So you, you can do this with work things too, I, right? Exactly, because moments so. of dread, exactly, moments of dread will come at precisely the same moments where you are able to practice. Because it's usually moments where you're silent. So when you're silent, then, and, you're, and there's nothing like demanding your full attention right now, that's when the dread would tend to come. But that's actually at the same, that's the very same moment when you're able to practice these things. So locating, so this is just, what we're talking about is simply reframing but it's done from another angle. So it's focusing on the emotions that do the reframe. And the reason we're mentioning it here is just because that's actually how you, by learning these, how to work with these emotions, that's and how ideals relates to that, that's how you most powerfully generate a tone around you. You know, but so, and, but it's true, it works in work situations just as much as real life, uh, like outside of work ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, maybe going back to this thing of, of creating a tone around you. I don't know. Is, is there anything else that we wanted to discuss there to, to, to fill out, um, the picture? Yeah. One is in general, it's easier for us to, uh, to attend to the tone of things, you know, when we're not taking any outcome too seriously. So it means that in fact, we're just focusing on the process of being with others. Or of like, or of how we're going about doing something, rather than definitely getting some kind of outcome. So that's in that sense, you know, it's. I was just talking to someone about what it's like traveling. I've, it's often happened that I've been in charge of large groups of people traveling, you know, and you could get really focused on making sure you see. Every, you know, all these things, like if you're in Paris or if you're in Rome or you're like doing some kind of, like making sure you hit all these sites. That's going to tend, for me, I'd, 
I would get way too like, I don't know, type A personality of like, and what I've learned is none of those things actually really matter as much as tone. What's much more important is the tone of the trip and that people experience it as flexible and as like cheerful and friendships are forming. And so the main thing is that there's time for people to talk to each other and form friendships and the things you're viewing, that's not the outcome. It's not like multiplying that as much as you can. It's just the setting for, for being able to do these other things. And then you do end up enjoying, you get the best of both worlds. You know, you end up seeing things and, and, and having great memories, but it's also just really fun and positive, you know, and it's like, and so, and then, and more meaningful for people. So I think it's actually traveling and being in charge of groups that often led me to like really reflect on the importance of the right kind of tone uh, versus just getting things seen. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see that. So how do you, uh, you mentioned not having the right, the uh, particular outcome in mind, but then, I mean, has the tone become the outcome that you're, you're, you're aiming for? Well, in that sense, ideals are aimed for, but they're not outcomes. So, so I think it's really the ideals that you're aiming for. And that generates this sense of a tone. So, you know, but I think any trips that people have, you know, because everyone perhaps is, might be doing possibly some traveling, you know, uh, in the near future or sometime in, in this next year, you know, to be thinking ahead more about the tone of the trip that you want and how to make this for your family and your friends, your, like the, the most, um, loving, most meaningful, you know, that you have, a, there, there's a sense there of something richer going on than simply getting the trip done or being on time to places. Well, Kevin, do you have any final advice for how people can grow um, in their ability to like to spread this tone around them of cheerfulness and service? Probably the most important advice I would give would be you have to think of how would you surprise those around you with it? Because we get used to being a certain way and we might get, and we might think, well, yeah, I'm generally an attentive person. Or you know, understanding, or I'm generous. Well, what would it look like to actually surprise the people closest to you, you know, with how generous you are, with how patient you are, or you know how flexible you are, and just think of the different qualities that you would want to have in in, in the tone you're creating. When you think about surprising people, you give yourself permission to change, and I'm going to try something new and different that is going to be guided by this ideal. So you choose the ideal you're going to aim for and think, I'm going to surprise people with this. And to you, because perhaps it's a little out of character, it might seem exaggerated. Chances are for the others, it won't. You know, it's like if you try to come across, let's say normally you're very cool and you try to really be enthusiastic, what for you feels like being, oh, this is like way over the top enthusiastic. To others, it might just be engaged and cheerful. It's like, so. So people, as you learn where you need to grow, and then you can pick, it's like the ideal on the opposite side of the color chart and think, okay, I'm going to really kind of surprise people with this, with this quality, but try it. I think it's, for me, at least it's, it's a very helpful lens for trying to like generate a new kind of tone wherever I am. That's great. Okay. That's a great practical thing for me to try this weekend. Hope it helps. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Yeah. Thanks, Reef. 
Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to check out OptumWork.com for a set of online tools to help you engage challenge in your life. See you next week.